Grace and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, During the Sundays of Epiphany, we've seen Jesus revealed to us, and we've heard Jesus speak his word to us. In the last few weeks, we have listened to Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount. He brought out the fullness of the law so that we recognize our need for a Savior. He declared, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, so that we could understand that as we come to him, completely poor in spirit, we are blessed in him. Jesus called disciples to come and to follow him. John the Baptist declared, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At his baptism, God the Father declared from heaven, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended upon him and remained upon him in the form of a dove. And in all of these things, Jesus was revealed to us. Who he is, why he came, for whom he came, the fact that we are blessed by his coming. All of these things are clearly shown to us. But perhaps there is no clearer picture for us of who Jesus is and what he came to do than we find at the Transfiguration. We're going to take a look at these events and see really what does this mean for us. And after six days, Jesus took it with him, Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Now, this is not the first time Jesus has taken with him Peter and James and John. They're kind of the the inner circle, right? But have you ever wondered when he called them to go and do this this time, what might have been on their minds? Do you think they they thought, finally, finally, we get some some good time with Jesus without all these other people around. We're going to get a little bit of of, uh, time just with Jesus. This will be great. Or maybe they thought, You know, when Jesus just takes the three of us somewhere, something amazing usually happens. Well, let's just see what Jesus is going to do now. Or maybe they had something far more mundane on their minds. This is kind of what I suspect might be the case. I think they may have been thinking things like, yeah, my knee kind of hurts today. I mean, uh, do we have to really walk all the way up this mountain, Jesus? Oh, he's going to make us kneel and pray for a long time today, isn't he? Oh, man. Uh, maybe uh, maybe he shouldn't stayed up so late talking last night. I'm kind of tired. Uh, you know, why do I suspect that? Because, well, I know me, and I know you, and I know human nature, and I know even as we gather here, what's going to happen in this place? Well, Jesus meets us here. The word of God is here. The, the, the body and blood of Jesus are given to us here. And we, we gather and it's, you know, man, I'm kind of tired. <laughs> I, we need some groceries. I got I to gotta get my grocery list put together here. You, your mind can wander. You start to think about very mundane things. Well, the disciples were in the presence of God, of Emmanuel, of God with us. And they didn't even really think about it. Until (laughs) he was transfigured before their eyes. 
And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to him Moses and Elijah talking with him. Well, God with us had been with them from the very beginning of their time with Jesus, but they forgot about this from time to time. They didn't really think about this reality, and now God kind of unveils the reality. Here's Jesus shining with the glory of God, and they get it all of a sudden. Well, maybe, kind of, sort of, but at least they see the glory of God shining through. The glory of God began to shine. The glory that had been concealed, that Jesus had always possessed, is now visible. And all of a sudden, Jesus is standing there, and he's talking with Moses and Elijah. Now, have you ever wondered, how do they know it's Moses and Elijah? Well, name tags, of course. (laughs) Hello, my name is Moses. Uh, Probably not. I suspect they were talking with, you know, Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus, and and they, they overhear the conversation. They understand these are the names that are being used, and, and they, they get it. Or maybe just the Lord revealed this to them in some way, right? Regardless, they recognize. <laughs> we're in the presence of heavyweights, right? Moses and Elijah... Moses, he's the guy that led them out of, out of slavery in Egypt. He led, uh, led through the, the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea. He gave the manna and the quail in the wilderness. Well, actually, Moses didn't do any of those things. God did. He used Moses as his means, as his instrument. But, but it wasn't Moses. It was God doing it through Moses. And the same thing's true for Elijah. But when Peter sees this happening, he declares, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. What was behind the words of Peter here? What do you think? What what is he thinking? What is he intending here? Well, understand this. When he uses that word tents, three tents, it's the same word as the Old Testament word tabernacle, right? Right? That tabernacle that was the movable temple for God's people in uh, their time wandering in the wilderness. Same word. So perhaps one possibility is that Peter was thinking Moses, Elijah, Jesus, they're on the same level, they're equal. (laughs) Well, that would be very wrong but it is, in, it is entirely possible that's what he was thinking. Moses and Elijah, though, they were shadows of Jesus. They testified of Jesus. They anticipated Jesus, but they are not the same level as Jesus. Another possibility is that Peter really wanted to stay there with them. Lord, let's just forget about everything down below. Let's just stay here. Let's stay in this moment, in this great, in this a wonderful feeling. I just want to stay with you here right now. Uh, let me make you three tents. We can just remain here. You don't have to go down there ever again. I don't have to go down there ever again. I just want to stay in this wonderful feeling of bliss. Let's have a worship service that just keeps going. And whatever Peter was thinking, 
God had kind of heard enough. He cuts them off. He gives a kind of a divine, be quiet. It says, he was still speaking. When behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. You remember at the baptism of Jesus, we have very similar words, right? This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. But now, now he tacks on. Listen to him. Shut your mouth and listen. Stop thinking you have the answers and listen. Stop talking as if Jesus needs your advice. Stop trying to do something for Jesus and listen. You see, Jesus had been telling the disciples what must take place, but they've been too busy with their own preconceived notions of what he's supposed to be about. We heard this just just a few verses earlier in chapter 16. Jesus had said this. It says, uh, from, uh, starting at verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Listen to him. Listen to him. Jesus had been telling them all they needed to know, but they weren't actually listening. Peter still thought, He had to do something for Jesus or that Jesus shouldn't descend the mountain and suffer and die, but they should just stay up there in that wonderful feeling forever. But Jesus had not come so that he should be served, but so that he could serve. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus marched down that mountain He made his way to Jerusalem. He made his way to the cross because that's why he had come. He came to lay down his life as the perfect once for all sacrifice for sin. He didn't come so that we could be delivered from the the consequences of sin in this world for a short period of time up on a mountaintop. But he, he came so that we could be eternally delivered. He came not just to deliver Peter and James and John and gather them around him in bliss, but so that all believers one day can be gathered around him in glory. In the transfiguration, we see Jesus being being fully God, who came not to be served, but to serve and to deliver his creation. He doesn't stay up there and say, yep, Peter, go ahead. Go ahead and build a tabernacle. We'll just stay right here. This will be good. Because that's not why he had come. Now, you can forgive Peter. You can forgive Peter for his zeal. He wants to do something for Jesus. But his mistake, his error, is it's similar to what we see a lot in the church today. Every single Sunday, 
people gather in churches, right? All over the country, all over the world, people gather in churches. Why? What's the point? Why do we gather? People sing and they pray and they hear the scriptures, but why? Are we doing something for God? He doesn't need anything from us. We don't have anything to give him anyway. There's, of course, a a component of of wanting to come and worship God, but God doesn't need the Sunday service. We do. The divine service happens every Sunday, not for God's sake, but for our sake. It's not about what we bring to God. It's about what God is giving to us. Some Sundays, you might come to church and you (laughs) you just barely get here. You're probably running late because of something that happened at home. Nothing seems to be going right. Everything seems to be stressful. And you come and you got nothing. I don't have any joy to bring to the Lord. I, mean, I got nothing. Well, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. So that's how it still is. When you got nothing, this is the right place to be. Because Jesus is here to fill you up. When you're not filled with joy, you got to come to the source of joy. When you don't even have the words within you, well, we can go back to the word of God and we can then say, Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. See, Jesus gathers us here to serve us. By his word, he speaks to us and he reminds us of our sin. But he also then says, and those sins, they're forgiven. Listen to him. In the invocation, what do we hear? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, right? And Jesus is saying, don't forget, you are my baptized lamb. You belong to me. Listen to him. In Holy Communion, Jesus gathers us around. And that same Jesus who was shining with the glory of God, he's here and he's giving himself to us in, with, and under bread and wine. He says, now, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Take and drink. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Listen to him. Jesus doesn't gather us here so that we can do some great thing for him. He gathers us here so he can serve us. And at the transfiguration, we see Jesus shine with the glory of God. He, He then descends the mountain and he makes his way to the cross to serve you. Because he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, including for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.